We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 219. Our guest today is best known as Super Groom. She has FEI level experience and can help horse owners with everything from clipping cleanups to full service grooming for horse shows or for photo shoots. She is a former vet tech who left her job in 2020 to create Centerline Clipping, where she provides clipping and grooming services across South Florida. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Kristen Abano. I am so excited to hear from the super groom herself, Um, but first, I would love to hear about how you first got started in the equestrian industry. Uh, So I got started super young. Um, I was three years old and went to a preschool field trip to the animal farm, and they had pony rides. So of course, naturally, I, you know, got on the pony and I didn't want to get off, and that ended up uh, starting... Uh, pony parties for my birthdays every year until I was eight years old at my house. And then I took started taking lessons at eight, started showing through middle school and high school. Um, and then when I got into college, um, I was what 20 years old. I ended up uh, buying my own horse out of a feedlot. Um, so he kind of fell into my lap. Um, but that's pretty much the, the gist of it in a, in a nutshell. So cool. And, and how'd you get into grooming? Um, so back when I showed, you know, competitively back when I lived in New York, my favorite part of the whole showing experience was getting the horse ready. That was my favorite part. I just loved making them look their absolute best. And I kind of just, you know, I did it on my own, uh, for my own show horses. And then when my friends would show, like I would go to shows with them and, you know, be their groom for the day. Um, and that's kind of how I figured out that I really liked grooming, but I didn't get into grooming professionally um, until about five or so years ago when I moved down to Florida. And you also used to be a vet tech, correct? Uh, up yes. until a couple years ago. What yes. made you decide to make the switch? So I kind of wanted to branch out on my own and start doing something on my own in the equine industry. When I got into clipping, I just I figured that this was, you know, a really great thing because I loved doing it and everybody else loved the job that I was doing for them. So I was like, you know what, I want to make this into my own business and lift it off the ground. And the only way that I was able to do that was to go full time into it, which meant that I had to sadly leave my vet tech job. So you started Centerline Clipping and tell me a little bit about the different grooming services you provide. So I provide everything from your typical body clipping. I do custom clips. um, I do braiding. I do photo shoot prep. um, And I'm also available for private client grooming. So if somebody needs like a freelance groom to go with them to a show, um, I'm available for that as well. How did you get your experience of obviously your name as being a top groom. I know you have FEI experience. How did you kind of gain that experience and learn how to do these skills? Honestly, I was really self-taught through most of everything. 
Um, I did start working um, after I left my job as a vet tech. I did start working privately as an FBI dressage groom. Um, I'm no longer doing that, but I did learn a lot of ins and outs of, of the FBI grooming experience through that as well. As we head into the, I guess, warmer months, I know us being in Florida, we're thankfully already in some warmer months, but <laughs> what do horse owners need to be considering when it comes to clipping? And what, what's your kind of two cents on frequency of clipping? Um, so the frequency of clipping really depends on each individual horse and their coat growth. Um, some horses need to be clipped every five to six weeks. Some horses need to be clipped every 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and some horses only need to be clipped like once or twice a year. It really depends on their coat growth and their workload. Um, if they're suffering from any kind of medical conditions like anhydrosis, so like a non-sweating horse or a horse who has Cushing's, those horses will always need to be clipped um, on a more frequent basis. What would you say are the benefits of body clipping? Definitely keeping your horse cooler and more comfortable along with avoiding any kind of like fungal skin issues or rain rot, which is super common in this hot, humid, rainy climate in Florida. Keeping the coat super short will just allow the skin to breathe. It won't be suffocated by a thick woolly coat. And also like all the sweat that the horse will build up from like standing outside, you know, that all gets trapped underneath a thick coat. And that also contributes to a lot of skin complications that you'll commonly see. It's also easier. <laughs> I feel like. It's so much easier uh, and it keeps them so much cleaner. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I feel like it really cuts down on having to rinse them off or give them so many oh, baths yes. um, because Absolutely. you're able to just kind of, especially like after a ride, if a horse's body clipped, it's so much easier just to let them air dry versus if they, Absolutely. you know, have a, have a pretty thick coat, then it's like, okay, I've got to give them a bath again. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know it's a drag with the, a longer coat. <laughs> For someone who opts to body clip themselves instead of have someone at their barn or hire someone like you to do it. What advice would you have for maybe like a first timer looking into body clipping their own horse? Um, so for a first time body clipper, um, always, always start with a clean horse, never clip a dirty horse. And of course, always go slow with your horse, start at their shoulder, which is their least vulnerable spot. It's the safest spot to start as well. Um, and just always keep safety in mind. Don't put yourself in a situation like in a stall, for example, where you really won't have space to get away if your horse decides that, you know, clipping's not for me. What would you say are some benefits of hiring a professional to body clip your horse? Um, definitely the fact that professional body clippers do keep safety as a top priority. Um, not to say that your average horse owner doesn't, um, but there's just a lot of things that you know, we can, we can really predict what a horse is going to do at any given time. For example, a lot of people, you know, ask me, you know, how do you trust a horse like to be, you know, kind of putting yourself underneath their hind legs or underneath their belly? Um, Cause you have to really contort yourself into some crazy positions to, yeah. to get these areas on horses. And to be honest, I don't trust the horses. It's not about trust. It's just my knowledge and experience of being able to predict what they're going to do and my reaction time 
to, you know, keep myself safe and to keep the horse safe and to keep everybody else safe around me. The other thing about having a professional is that, you know, we have quality equipment that we're working with. We have the best that's out there. We have the proficiency to get the job done in one visit in a timely manner. And also that, you know, let us get the hair all all over us. (laughs) It's pretty itchy when when you're covered in hair and it's, it's really uncomfortable, but we don't really notice it anymore because that's just what we do. What do you wear when you body clip? I wear a combination of clothing that is um, a bit hair repellent. So I don't know if you're familiar with um, Botori Life yes. Equestrian. So yep. I, I only clip in Botori leggings because I can just wipe the hair right off my pants. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, good to I, know. And I don't feel it sticking through the fabric, poking me. So it's, I will never clip in any other pants than the Votoris. Um, and I also wear the, the Clovis equestrian quarter zip tanks. Um, that's also very hair repellent. Um, and if it's like a chilly day, then I'll put like a windbreaker on or a coat and that'll help to keep the hair off of me as well. You talked about products. What is your go-to? Because I mean, I feel like another big aspect of hiring a professional is time (laughs) because I feel like by this point in time, you have probably really been able to make this process as efficient as possible. I know for me, I, I used to go through phases of, you know, doing body clipping myself and now I haven't for years and thought about body clipping one of our ponies the other day myself. And I'm like, I feel like it would literally take me all day (laughs) because it's been, it's been a minute. It's time consuming. It's definitely time consuming, but you know, I, I try to keep it, you know, down to a science. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's definitely helpful when, you know, you have the right equipment and the right tools to, to get the job done, you know, as quickly and efficiently as possible. And of course, you know, leaving a perfect job, you know, professionals, like we're not going to go clip a horse and like leave lines on horses. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll, I'll twitch at night if, if I know I've left something on a horse, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. So, you know, once I, once I finish clipping your horse, I'm going to take them out in like better lighting and just go over them again and just make sure that I've gotten absolutely everything. You know, people always ask me, how do you, how do you not get lines on a horse? (laughs) And that's really just, you know, using the correct equipment, having a clean horse, oiling and cooling my blades off every 10 to 15 minutes. It's really, it's an art and a science altogether. Yeah. I was going to ask you about how you combat the hot blades because that's, I feel like one of the trickiest things to kind of navigate. And do you have like multiple clippers going? Do you kind of like swap out blades? How do you do that besides the oil and giving the clippers a break? Yeah. So I have quite a collection of blades that I rotate through during my appointments um, and I also have two pairs of clippers that I work with. So I always have a backup at any given time um, just to give, you know, if, if I feel one clipper is starting to overheat a little bit, then I'll stop. I'll switch clippers, switch my blades and just start everything fresh. Um, Cause you can actually really burn a horse with, um, with a hot blade if you just keep going. Right. Yeah, definitely. How often are you having to buy new blades? So I, I buy new blades um, on a yearly basis. Throughout the year, I get them sharpened. 
which helps to extend yeah. the life of my blades. That's smart. That's that's yeah. a really good point. I feel like I haven't even thought of that. I don't know why, but <laughs> I because I, because they're expensive too. So it, they are expensive, and some of them are hard are really hard to find right now too. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Aside from clipping, what are some other ways owners can keep their horses looking their best? Because I know there's definitely, um, in some situations, there's ways to avoid body clipping by different, I guess, like grooming strategies. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts about tips for owners or grooms to keep their horses looking their best. So, I mean, as far as like getting that you know, really nice shine on the coat. It all comes down to nutrition. Um, Internally, if your horse is on a good nutrition program and, you know, it supports healthy skin and coat, you know, that's where that, you know, that wow factor of the shine is going to really come from. Um, But as far as topically with products, you know, currying your horse every day is honestly one of the best things that you can do for their skin and coat totally um, by currying on a daily basis or, you know, as often as you can, you know, you're, you're stimulating their natural oils of their skin to come to the surface and to, you know, travel throughout their coat as you're currying. And that is essentially what gives them, you know, the really nice shine. If you want to add, you know, a little bit more then you can always use um, like coat conditioning products or shine products. Personally, I like using uh, Shiny by the Infuse Equestrian, and I also like the Equus line products. Equus has a a really fantastic line of of hydration products. That is, yeah, that's good to know. But yeah, I feel like a lot of it, um, if you can do that daily currying, I feel like that makes a world of difference too and just kind of helps I feel like bring out the horse's natural oils too, because you're also kind of like sloughing off that extra hair. Absolutely. And also not to overbathe. Don't overbathe your horses because you'll just dry their skin out. I, I hear people, you know, some, some people are bathing their horses like every two weeks. Like it's really not, it's really not necessary because every time you bathe a horse, you're really just stripping their skin of their oils and that's what they need to, to keep their skin and their coat hydrated. I don't know about you, but when I first started my businesses, it can feel super lonely and really overwhelming with all the things that you feel like you have to do, but it doesn't have to be that way. What would it feel like to have all the time in the world set aside to strategize, organize, and actually brainstorm for your business and not just try to catch up on your email inbox? Miranda from Marketing for the Uninhibited has been my business coach for the past year, and she has helped me with just that. Unlock your marketing with her, and she has a new one-on-one marketing intensive, which is four weeks of virtual support. If you need help with stuff like branding, marketing messaging, content strategy, a marketing plan, and specific goals, then this is seriously perfect for you. Miranda has helped me so much with my business, and she made it go from like a side job that I was doing to a multi six-figure business. Miranda will be there to cheer for you, coach you, and support you via text, email, Voxer for the entire four weeks as you execute your custom 30-day marketing plan. Use code Bethany at checkout at marketinguninhibited.com for 10% off your marketing unlocked service. Again, that is marketinguninhibited.com and use code Bethany at checkout. 
Let's say a horse is in a general riding program, gets ridden, you know, several times a week. How often should they be bathed? Um, I would bathe no more than once a month. And that's, that's me being generous. Preferably, I think once every other month is sufficient. But also, you know, it depends on, on how that horse is reacting to having, you know, that kind of workload with their coat length and like how they're reacting to like the sweat on their body. So like if they're starting to get a little, you know, fungal looking and like, you know, their girth area or on their back or like behind their back legs, like those are just the most common spots for fungus to grow, (laughs) then obviously go for it, give the horse a bath if it needs it. But if, if they're doing fine without it, then I would say no more than than once a month is is really necessary. In your opinion, what kind of timeline do you like to stick to? If let's say you have a client that has a horse that is getting ready to show, and we all know that when you first body clip a horse, the the coat is so short, it tends to look a little mousy and kind of lacks that shine. So in your opinion, when do you like to clip to when the coat is still short, but it's starting to really show off that shine? So I would say, um, like if somebody's going to be showing or, or doing anything where your horse is going to be in the spotlight, give at least a week to two weeks before. That gives the coat enough time to grow in just a little bit. It gives enough time for any any dapples that want to come out to show themselves. Um, they will come out during that time frame as well. You know, if also keeping in mind that if you've never clipped your horse and you're going to a show, give that one to two week buffer because if your horse is going to have a reaction to the blade washed or the oil, which typically would result in a, a like a hive like reaction, sure, you want to have time for that to settle down. I want to shift a bit and talk about main polling, which is also one of your kind of like goes under your services is prepping a horse's mane. Your website mentions that actually pulling the mane is a bit outdated and you use other methods to trim and thin the mane. So tell me, or like, can you describe why actual pulling is outdated and what you do instead? So traditional mane pulling is a bit of an archaic practice, Um, at least in, in my opinion, it is. Traditional mane pulling, you know, you're taking a pulling comb and you're you're combing through the mane, going to the bottom of it, teasing it up, wrapping it around the comb, and then ripping it out from the root. So it's really, you know, people who say that horses don't have, you know, nerve endings in the crest of their neck, that, oh, they can't feel it. They can feel a fly land on their body. So you can't convince me that they can't feel their hair getting ripped out by their roots. So... I just, I don't, I don't really agree with that method. And I know a lot of breeders may say, oh, well, like the mane needs to be like really thin to put in like, you know, nice hunter braids. Well, there's other ways of, of, of doing it and getting the same result. What I do is I take a thinning comb and I just comb through the thicker sections of the hair. And the thinning comb is essentially just like a long razor blade with teeth that has a handle and you just comb through the hair and you know, whatever loose hairs or or dead hairs or broken hairs are going to come out, the thinning comb is going to take care of that. And then as far as shortening it, you know, it, it leaves a nice natural finish. You know, I don't, I don't cut manes with scissors. I like to leave a nice natural finish at the end of the mane. It's, it looks better when it's 
braided up and it looks better when it's left down. So that's just how I feel about it. I feel like kind of, well, I am saying this from someone who, when I get my hair done, my hair is super thick that I like that my stylist will often put like a thinning shears through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like kind of like similar method. I mean, obviously it's kind Um, of a similar method, but, but not exactly. Yeah. You know, you're start you're you're thinning it out like from the bottom, really. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going through like the whole mane. That would just leave things super uneven. But yeah, it's it's kind of similar. What would you do if you have a client horse with, you know, like a significantly long mane that needs to be trimmed up or needs to be short enough that could be braided? Like as far as I know, you mentioned you don't usually use a scissors on a horse's mane. Um, so what would you do as far as the length um, if it if a mane needed to be significantly shortened? Just the thinning comb. The thinning comb wow, does does cool. the same job. And actually a loose clipper blade also can do a similar job. So if you oh, don't have smart. time to to run out to, to get a thinning comb, then you can always just use a loose clipper blade. Um, just make sure it's not dull because it'll be really hard to take that much length off. But those, yeah. those items could still do the same job for shortening it for sure. Very cool. So what would you say is an area of the industry that you're really passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Definitely, it would be the veterinary industry. Coming from that field, um, it's it's definitely very important for me to, to kind of get the message out that, you know, knowing your horse's vital signs is super important. I've taught some of my clients how to take their horse's vital signs and, you know, in the event of an emergency, you know, and you're calling your vet, you know, if you can at least get your horse's vital signs and give your vet a heads up, like, you know, Hey, my horse's heart rate is this, their temperature is this, you know, they'll be able to determine right away. Like, okay, this is an emergency or okay. Now, like, you know, we can wait like an hour or so, you know, or keep an eye on your horse and, you know, let me know how things go in a couple of hours. And it just, it just makes like, a, it's, it's really good knowledge to have, um, to know what your horse's baseline vitals are. You'll be able to tell if it's really just differentiating an emergency from something that can wait. For example, I had a client who had a bit of an emergency with her horse and I had told her previously how she can take um, a TPR on her horse. And she was able to tell her vet what her horse's heart rate was. And immediately they were able to determine through a phone call that, okay, like this is an emergency, like we will be right there. So I just feel like it's, it's super important for, for people to know how to do that with their horses. And it's just really good baseline knowledge to have anyway. For anyone listening who is maybe not a hundred percent sure that they could know how to find their horse's temperature or heart rate, what would you recommend? Um, I would say definitely get with your vet and have them go over, you know, what a typical physical examination is on a horse and get the information from your veterinarian to teach you how to do it correctly. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think obviously the vet will arrive and be able to, you know, do the exam themselves. But I think you're, I think that that's a really good topic to shed some light on for 
people who have horses in their care to have the basic understanding to be able to give their vet a baseline in in case they can't be out there immediately to check those vital signs themselves. Absolutely. For anyone who is interested in learning more about centerline clipping, I'll give you a little plug here because I feel like what you do is so cool and so unique. Right now you're based in South Florida. So for any of our Wellington friends that are interested or need some help body clipping or photo shoot prep or anything like that when it comes to your horse, how can people learn more information or, or learn about your services to work with you? So my website is centerlineequineclipping.com and I have all of my information up there as far as my services, plenty of different ways to, to reach me as well. Amazing. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time and telling your story and about what you do with centerline clipping. I think it's incredible and I will definitely let our team know because we are constantly clipping and prepping. So (laughs) you are definitely someone who we need to have around um, because all of us hate clipping. So (laughs) finding someone who enjoys clipping and is super good at it is hard to come by. So thank you so much again for your time and coming on and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting with you. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.